tent. It's, um, it's just something that the Lord has put on my heart that I need to share, and I think that it's very important. Verse 15, chapter 21 of John. So when they had eaten breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me more than these? He said to him, Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, Feed my lambs. He said to him again a second time, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? He said to him, Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, Tend to my sheep. He said to him the third time, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? Peter was grieved because he said to him the third time, Do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Jesus said to him, Feed my sheep. Most assuredly, I say to you, when you were younger, you girded yourself and walked where you wished. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands, and another will gird you and carry you where you do not wish. This he spoke signifying by what death he would glorify God. And when he had spoken this, he said to him, Follow me. Then Peter, turning around, saw the disciple whom Jesus loved following, who also had leaned on his breast at supper and said, Lord, who is the one who betrays you? Peter, seeing him, said to Jesus, But Lord, what about this man? Jesus said to him, If I will that he remain till I come, what is that to you? You follow me. Then this saying went out among the brethren that this disciple would not die. Yet Jesus did not say to him that he would not die, but if I will that he remain till I come, what is that to you? This is the disciple who testifies of these things and wrote these things, and we know that his testimony is true. And there are also many other things that Jesus did, which if they were written one by one, I suppose that even the world itself could not contain the books that were written. Amen. Father. We ask you to bless the reading of your word. This moment that we gather together today is for you. It's not about us. We make it about us, but it's not about us. It's not about what's going on in the world. It's not about what songs we've sung. It's not about any of that. It's about you. And Lord, as we pause for these few moments, I ask you for courage to say the things that you've laid on my heart. I ask you, Lord, that you would just arrest our attention and that we would do some soul searching this morning. Father, I, I, I need you. I'm, I'm standing before you, needy as I've ever been, asking you to fill me with your spirit, enabling me to deliver this message. God, most importantly, may you be glorified. We want to exalt your lovely name. We ask all these things in the precious name of Jesus. And amen. I want to ask you a question this morning, if I can. Thank you, maybe see, I should have said that perhaps. Uh, I want to ask you a question. Are you giving God leftovers? Are you giving God leftovers? I was texting a friend. We talk just about every Saturday night about, he's a preacher, we talk about preacher things, and I ask him this question. Can you honestly say in your heart of hearts, looking at the Lord Jesus Christ, that I am giving everything I have in every area of my life for the Lord Jesus Christ? I am giving Him my best. 
And he said, you know, well, you know, I'm trying. He listed all his answers. I said, yes or no? Yes or no? And you know how you're waiting on someone to text and that little thing's going like this? You know? And he texts back in capital letters, N-O. N-O. Peter was a remarkable man. He was not a perfect man. He had been with Christ. He had seen Jesus do miraculous things. He had left fishing. Jesus sees him and he comes in Matthew chapter 4, verse 19. They're tending to their nets and Jesus walks by and says, Follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. And they follow him. They're with Jesus. They heard the Sermon on the Mount. They saw Jesus take the, the fishes and loaves and feed the 5,000 plus women and children. They were very aware they had seen Jesus stand at the tomb of Lazarus and tell Lazarus to come out of the grave and he came out of the grave. And then that dreaded night when Peter denied knowing Jesus Christ. Do you know where we find Peter after that? They were together and Peter says, I'm going fishing. And they said, well, we're going to go with you. He went back to what he knew. They're out there fishing. Jesus is standing on the shore and Jesus yells out, Catch anything? No. Cast your nets on the other side. They cast their nets on the other side and they had so many fish, they couldn't get them in. John says, I think that's, I think that's the Lord. Peter had his outer garment off. He jumps up, puts his outer garment on, jumps into the water, swims to shore, and the others stay in the boat and row and drag the net to the shore. Jesus is standing on the shore. He has a fire going, and he's talking to them, and he says, hey, have yourself some breakfast. Bring the fish here. And in the midst of all this going on, they know it's the Lord. They don't want to say anything because it's that aha moment, you know, where this is the third time that Jesus has shown himself to them, but now they have to face him and they have to talk to him. And Jesus asks a, a bizarre question. Peter, do you love me? Yes, Lord, you know I love you. Feed my sheep. He asks him a second time. Peter, do you love me? Yes, Lord, I love you. The third time he says, Peter, are you even kindly affectionate towards me? Two different Greek words. The first two questions is the verb form of agape love. It's the verb form, which is the most supreme sacrificial love. He asked Peter twice, do you love me? Do you love me? Peter says, yes, yes. And then he says this, Peter, are you even fond of me? And Peter was grieved that he even asked this question. Now, we'll pause there for a moment, and I want to ask you a question. Do you ever find that you're worshiping half-heartedly? Do you ever find that maybe sometimes that you may be reading the Bible hurriedly? You pray optionally. If I pray today, no big deal. 
I don't, not a big deal. Isn't it interesting that we have energy for everything but for Christ? Peter could go back fishing, he could do all this. And Jesus asked Peter if he really, really loved him. Now I wonder why would he ask Peter that question. And I ask you this morning, do, do we really, really love him? Are we just talking the church game, you know? We get good at the church lingo, right? We know how to say all the churchy things and we know just when to say amen. You know what I'm saying? I was at the other church one time and there was this fella and uh, Keith Matheny was telling a story about he was at church camp and this girl wanted to sit with him one night at church camp and then the girl wanted to sit with another guy the next night. And that one guy sitting on the front row said, Amen! He stopped and he said, No, that's not a good place for an amen. And perhaps you've been in a church service where someone just gets carried away and says amen and it's an inappropriate amen, you know what I'm saying? But we know how to do all that stuff, don't we? We know how to speak Christianese, right? We can talk and we can do all the stuff. But the fact of the matter is, I can see myself in Peter. Oh, I can see so much of myself. And that's what infuriates me about myself. Do you know that my flesh is public enemy number one to Kenny Estep? And your flesh is public enemy number one to you. Yet, we come in the church house, we know we're going to sing a few songs, we can just get through the song service, the preacher hopefully don't preach a long time, we can get out of here, I've done my spiritual thing for the week, and we never even consider Jesus. <coughs> I, I'm really, really convinced about this because <coughs> this is my 19th year here at Shawnee Hills Baptist Church, four years at the other church. And people are people no matter where you are. Humans are humans. That's the one thing all humanity has in common. And I, I can remember this. On many occasions, there were times when we, we saw God move incredibly. I remember when there were times when we were so eager to serve the Lord we could not even contain ourselves. It's just like Peter when he was with Jesus and Jesus was doing all these things and it was miraculous and all these people were being healed and it was exciting and they loved it, but something happened. And now Jesus has to confront Peter and he has to right the ship and he needs Peter to understand because, listen to me, there is a difference between Peter before this conversation with Christ and after. Something happens. Something happens that changes his life forever, that he's no longer living in the past. He's no longer clinging to those things that happened back then. Something happened that made him want to preach to the very people that he denied Christ and point his finger to them and said, this same Jesus whom you crucified is both Savior and Lord Messiah. Something happened. And that something is what needs to happen to us today because we are getting to the place in our land where we are losing ground as Christians. 
We're losing ground as Christians because we have grown complacent and we love to blame COVID. COVID's over. That's over. And we used to have a zeal for serving the Lord. Now, if we want to serve the Lord, it's okay. And if we don't, well, you know, we can't say anything because they're volunteer and you'll hurt their feelings. Really. You know what Jesus says? I wish you were either hot or cold. You're neither hot nor cold, but you make me want to vomit. But you know what, preacher? You don't understand. We're busier than we've ever been. Whose fault's that? My fault. We don't want to worship the Lord anymore unless it's the song we like. If it's our style, it's our song, we'll worship the Lord and we'll praise the Lord. Hallelujah. But you throw something in there that we don't like and we're like, whatever. We read our Bibles and we read our Bible in a hurry because we don't want to encounter the Lord. We want to get through our Bible reading so that we say, I've done my Bible reading for today. i prayed now, God. I've done my part. I want you to do your part. You say, I would never say that to God. We say that by our actions. And may I remind you, actions speak louder than words. God, I'll pray when I'm in trouble and I need your help. Hurry up, God. I'm waiting on you. All these are indicators of one thing. And this is what was wrong with Peter. And as I was studying, I was trying to figure out, what happened, Peter? You were seeing God do miracles. You were even given power to do miracles yourself. They walk by and they see a guy sitting there and he's begging. And he says, silver and gold have I none. But in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, get up and walk. He did. And he's pouting on the banks of the sea. And Jesus asks him, Peter, do you love me? Now, remember, whenever Jesus asks a question, it's not so that Jesus has the answer because he don't know the answer. Jesus' questions are intended to make the one he's asking think and come to the realization that something is wrong in my life. Now, I find it interesting. Jesus said at the beginning of his ministry, he called him, he said, Peter, or he said, follow me, I'll make you fishers of men. Then he says, follow me in this text, first of all. And then later he says, you follow me, Peter. Why does he say that? Because Peter wasn't following Christ. And here's the real issue. All these things, our lack of effort in prayer, our lack of effort in worship, our lack of effort in witnessing, all of that is a symptom of the issue. What is the issue? The issue is we're not following Christ. We're not following Christ. You say, well, how do you make that statement? Well, it's evident. Why would Jesus tell him two more times to follow him if he were already following him? He would say, Peter, continue to follow me. But he's not following him, so he tells him, Peter, follow me. And Peter doesn't get it. And he says, well, what about him, Lord? See, Peter's still not getting it. He does not understand what it means to follow Christ. He wants an insurance plan so he doesn't go to hell, but he does not understand what it means to follow Christ. Jesus said, you... The only time I can find in the Scripture where Jesus puts a personal pronoun in front of follow me. Peter, you. I'm not talking about John. I'm not talking about anybody else. I'm talking about you, Peter. Follow me. 
Why would he say that? Because Peter wasn't following him. Peter was fishing. He had given up. All hope was lost. He had stopped ministry. And he went back to fishing. And he wasn't good at it. He wasn't catching any fish. And so what does Jesus do? Peter, do you love me? Peter, do you love me? We think about that. Would you turn with me, please, to Luke chapter 9? Luke chapter 9. I want to show you this. This is... And, and man, this, this, this is... I have been such under conviction over this. In Luke chapter 9, verse 23, Then he said to them all, If anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross... And what? What happens? What has to happen before you follow Him? There's a couple of things that has to happen. The first thing that has to happen is you have to deny yourself. Remember when I told you public enemy number one is our flesh? We can't follow Christ until we put Christ on the throne in our lives. Until He is our priority, we cannot follow Him. You cannot follow Christ until you deny yourself. You're going back fishing. You're going to revert to what you know to do in the flesh. And we're okay with that in the church. That's the most disturbing thing about it. What we view as someone who is a a, a super Christian is what many in years gone by would consider normal Christianity. We don't want to surrender ourselves. We don't want to deny ourselves. We want to be in charge of our lives. And Jesus does not co-reign in your life. He will not share His glory with another. He will not do it. So He says, let Him deny Himself and take up His cross and follow Me. There's two things that happened in the life of Peter. If you allow me real quickly. Two things that happened in the life of Peter. Number one, Peter finally understood what it meant. He finally understood what it meant to follow Jesus. What did it mean? Well, Jesus hung in on something that's at the heart of everything we do. When I was a young man at the church I was growing up, my dad was teaching, and he's asked a question, and, and this question is burned in my heart. I've asked you the question before. It's burned in my heart ever since I've heard it. It comes and goes. But it always comes back to me. Do you love Jesus because you need Him or do you need Jesus because you love Him? Those questions were asked to me. It's etched in my memory and in my heart forever. And I keep coming back to that because there are times in my life when I love Jesus simply because I need Him. There are times in my life when I have given because I was afraid if I didn't give, then I would lose what I had. There are times in my life where I <clears throat> went to church because I felt like um, I, I, I didn't, I would, I would uh, you know, get in trouble or something would happen to me. At the other church, we used to go out on Thursday night and go witnessing, and I was working in my office. We were remodeling my office, and there was a, a uh, fluorescent light, and I had taken the ballast cover off, and it was sitting on top of the, the ladder. I went to move the ladder, and when I went to move the ladder, it fell and hit and opened my arm up, buttonholed my arm. So I went to the emergency room and got stitched up. And they stitched me up and I was wrapped up and 
one of the guys with me said, you're not going to let a little wound like that keep you from going soul winning, are you? Now, I'll be honest with you. I didn't want to go soul winning. I, I'm straight up honest with you. I did not want to do it. And I went because I, I, I didn't want them to think something bad about me, honestly. That's the only reason I went. My attitude was terrible and everything. And I, I just say all this to say this, guys. I'm telling you this. We do not understand what it means to follow Christ. This is what happened. For the first time, Peter now has an aha moment. He now understands what it means to follow Christ. What it means to follow Christ, first of all, is that you love Him. Peter, do you love me more than these? Do you love me more than these guys love me? Why didn't he address it to John? Why didn't he address it to James? Why didn't he address it to someone else? Why did he address it to Peter? Because Peter needed it. That's why. Because Peter didn't understand what it meant to follow Christ. And at the heart of following Christ is I love Jesus Christ more than I love anything else. Why is it that we have energy to do everything else and we don't have energy to do the things of Christ? Why is it that we will serve Christ only when after we do everything else? As long as this, this, and this fall into place, then I will serve Christ. Secondly, Peter understood, learning to understand what it meant to follow him. Number two was obedience. Remember, Peter was so arrogant when the Lord, he said, listen, though everyone else forsake you, I won't, I'll be right there with you. I'll never leave you, I'll never forsake you. And Jesus said, oh, really? Before the rooster crows three times, or two times, you'll die, I mean three times. Really? See, he had it inverted. Peter had an overinflated opinion of himself. And what I'm going to say may not be... <laughs> Um, it may not, well, I know it's not going to be relevant today in our culture or accepted in our culture, but I'll tell you this. Can I tell you this? Your opinion of yourself doesn't matter. I don't care what psychologists tell you. I don't care any of that. Your opinion of yourself does not matter. Your opinion of Christ is what matters. Your opinion of yourself has no weight in eternal glory. But everybody else said, oh, you can't harm their psyche. May I tell you, your fallen creature, your psyche is already harmed. It's not your mama's fault. It's not your daddy's fault. You're born a sinner. Sinner's sin. That's what happens. And the truth of the matter is, church, we don't obey Christ. You know what Jesus said? Jesus said this. I don't do these works in, of my own. I see what the Father does, and I do what He does. Jesus is teaching the disciples that we follow and do what He does. Jesus never one time gave the Father, His Heavenly Father, never gave Him leftovers. Not once. He never got up and said, Lord, or Father, today, I, I don't want to do what you want me to do. As a matter of fact, we find often that before Jesus did anything significant, whether it be healings or sermon on the mount or anything, he was off alone with the Father. Obedience. 
I've had people tell me, Preacher, I know what the Word says, but... Why are we having this conversation? Why are we having this conversation? If you know what the Word says, but you're not willing to do it, then we don't need to have a conversation. It's pointless. It's fruitless. We desperately need to understand what it means. What it means to follow Christ. And I'll tell you this. I'll tell you this. I was thinking about this. We, want, we are adults and we do what we want to do. You do what you want to do. Even if it's a hard thing, but you want to do it, you'll do it. Church, I've seen over the years a decline in men and women wanting to serve the Lord. The church is being changed from the inside out and it's being molded into making the church fit what man wants. That's not right. Follow me. Follow me. I love him. I'm obedient. Jesus said, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. They'll come together. Peter's understanding what it means. Why did Jesus ask him, Peter, do you love me? Do you love me? Are you even fond of me? Because what Jesus thought Peter about Peter's love of him and what Peter thought of his own love for Christ were two different things. And Jesus has to say, are you even fond of me? Do you even have like a brotherly, camaraderie love? Phileo is the Greek word. Do you even, you know, are we even friends? Man, that's a dagger to the heart. Could you see yourself, Jesus asking you, put your name in here, do you love me? Do you love me? Are you even fond, do you, are you even fond of me? Are we even friends? See, this all begins when we truly understand what it means to follow Christ. In our churches, listen to me, in our churches, we've emphasized, we have emphasized evangelism. And, and it's important that we emphasize that. But can I say this? To the exclusion of discipleship and teaching people the cost of following Jesus Christ. Jesus tells Peter, listen, when you were young, you put on your clothes and went where you want to. But when you're old, they're going to stretch out your arms and someone else is going to put clothes on you and take you where you do not want to go. And this is how you're going to glorify Christ. He is telling Peter, Peter, you're going to die. You're going to die for my testimony. And we know in history, Peter was crucified upside down because he didn't deem it worthy to die in the same manner as Jesus Christ. And yet, we have a difficult time Attending church, we have a difficult time reading our Bible. We have a difficult time praying. And we say we're followers of Christ. Really? We want a fire insurance policy. We don't want to go to hell, but then God, get out of the way and let me live my life. And if I need you, I'll call you. And we're suffering because of it. The church is on the decline in the nation. Islam is growing at a faster rate in the United States of America than is Christianity. We call ourselves the Bible Belt. We're no longer the Bible Belt. And the problem is, we don't care because right now we've got a little bit of money, we've got a place to live, we've got food to eat, 
and everything is good. But I'll tell you this, not so with Christ. The second thing that happened to Peter after he finally understood what it meant to follow Christ is he was filled with the Spirit. Acts chapter 2, they're all in one place and they're sitting there and the Holy Spirit comes down. Let me back up to Acts chapter 1. Acts chapter 1, Jesus tells him right before he sends into heaven, you stay here until you're endued on high with power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. Then, then, and only then will you be my witnesses. Acts chapter 2, they're all filled with the Holy Spirit. Peter didn't have to say, what do I do, Lord? What do I do? Peter knew exactly what to do. Why? Because he was filled with the Spirit. The Holy Spirit led him. He stood up and he preached that sermon. And from then on, he was, uh, they, they, they put him in jail. And they said, listen, don't you, don't you even witness any more about him. Don't you talk about Jesus. And they beat him and let him go. And as soon as they went out, they started preaching again. They had a prayer meetings. So what do we pray for? You pray for us to have boldness. Not, not easy you pray that we would have the boldness to speak the Lord Jesus Christ. And from then on, after that, always, always persecution, always suffering, always fighting. Why? Because he finally understood what it meant to follow Christ and he was filled with the Spirit and God did amazing things through Peter even though he had failed him before. So, I want to ask you to read one more passage with me and then we'll finish. I was reading this, and this has always stuck out in my mind. Jesus is feeding, we're in John chapter 6. I guess I should tell you where we're going to read, right? I'm anxious to get here, I'm sorry. Jesus is feeding the 5,000. And there's a bizarre thing that takes place after everybody eats. Everybody's eating and they're full. I'm going to read in verse 12. So when they were filled, he said to his disciples... Gather up the fragments that remain so that nothing is lost. Therefore they gathered them up and filled twelve baskets with the fragments of five barley loaves which were left over by those who had eaten. This blew my mind. We have no record of what they did with those twelve baskets. You know why I think we, we have no record of this? Jesus told him, I want you to go collect the leftovers. Why? Because God doesn't give leftovers. God gave you his very best. Everything he does, he gives you his very best. And those leftovers weren't going to be left there and someone say, God gave us leftovers. God does not give leftovers. He doesn't. He has given us His very best. And church, I think that we need to examine ourselves this morning. And I think we need to really, really examine ourselves. And I've already had a time of prayer and confession and repentance. I'll be honest with you. I'm a little disenfranchised. I'm a little frustrated with people telling me we can't do this anymore in this day that we live. That's hogwash. If we are following Christ and we're filled with the Holy Spirit, we can do the same things that Peter and those guys did. The problem is, we don't want to follow Christ and we don't want to be filled with the Spirit. That's the issue, church. Everything else is a symptom of the issue. The issue is, I haven't come to the end of myself, I haven't denied myself, I haven't taken up my cross and followed Him. 
That is the issue. We are not following Christ in our churches. We're following Mickey Mouse and all those other goofy things they do in church under the name of Christianity. It has nothing to do with Christianity. Lion King and, you know, all that stuff. I don't even know what to call it. I'm afraid I'm going to say a bad word if I don't stop. Listen to me, church. I am being 100% honest with you. What we need now are some men and women who will examine themselves and say, listen, I don't care anymore what it's going to cost me. I am going to surrender myself. I'm going to deny myself for the Lord Jesus Christ. He is more important. Listen to me. We are closer to the Lord's return than we have ever been. Prophecy says that it's going to get worse. It's going to wax worse and worse. And you know what? It's waxing worse and worse. Do you know that churches are taking on, some so-called churches are taking on things that God says is an abomination and that should never be named among any person, let alone in a church? And you know what the church is doing? The church is taking political sides and arguing back and forth over who's going to save the country. Nobody's going to save the country. Jesus Christ is going to save the country if it's to be saved. What we've got to get back to is I'm going to follow Christ and I care more about that than anything else. What anybody thinks about me or whatever, whatever, I am going to follow Jesus Christ. I've told you this a hundred times. I'm going to tell you again because it's true and I keep coming back to it. I used to get so upset when the Buckeyes would lose. I would get so upset. I remember, man, I'm not going to be able to sleep tonight. I've got to preach in the morning, and they lost. And you know what? The Buckeyes don't even know who in the world I am. could care less about me. I'm a number. I'm a dollar sign to them. And I used to think, man, this is it, man. If we could just win this, what next? When's the last time I was so distraught over my own spiritual condition as I was over the Buckeyes losing. Now that's a concern for me. When's the last time I lost sleep because I didn't read the Bible that day? Or I didn't pray? Oh, you're just being legalistic. Call me what you want. I could care less. The older I get, how many of you older people understand this? The older you get, the less you care about that stuff, right? I tell you all something, you've got kids in school, you all this way because you want people to like you? I'm going to tell you this. When you graduate, all those people you thought were great, you hardly ever see them. I'm just telling you straight up. All the old people saying, hey man, hey man, hallelujah. <laughs> but what I'm going to tell you this, guys, listen to me. Please hear me out. And I'm not trying to be mean. I'm just angry at the devil. I'm sorry. But I'm telling you this, guys. We need to get back. There was a time, there was a time in this church when about 40, 40, 50 people gathered up on a hill that we had to trudge through mud. Bill took his old truck up there, the only truck that got up there. And we walked around a mountain that had briars everywhere. And we gathered and held hands around the truck. And we felt like God was giving us that mountain. And we prayed, Lord, give us this mountain. And in faith, we stepped out and didn't have money and we bought it. Because we were following Christ. Because we wanted to reach kids. And now we've got to beg and prod and plead to get people to come and help. Something's happened. Something's changed. I'll tell you what's changed. Christ is no longer priority in our lives. We're no longer following Him. We're following our own agendas, and we want to fit Christ in. And I'll tell you, that only leads to further misery. I was, I'm not a real good counselor. 
I try, but I'm not. Because I say things that I think are true and they need to hear. And somebody was telling me one time, they were opining about all the things that's going on in their life. And I said, listen, are you where, Christ need, are you, where Christ, you need to be with Christ? No, I'm not. Did you ever think that the reason all these things are happening is because you're not where Christ wants you? I never thought about that. Well, let's start there. Let's start there. And guys, what we need is a good old-fashioned revival. And I'm not talking about scheduling a speaker and playing the music. And I'm talking about us getting right in our hearts with the Lord. It has nothing to do with emotion. It has everything to do with truth and fact. The bottom line is our opinions don't matter. It's the truth of the Word of God that matters. And it doesn't matter what you think about Him. It's what He thinks about you. I can remember when we had men and women who would drive church vans. Terry and Kathy, God bless her soul, they would drive church vans and they drove that van and the van they drove just happened to be the rowdiest bunch we had. They called us one time, someone called us from the community and said, hey, there was kids smoking on that van. They weren't smoking, that was the van smoking. <laughs> but then, I tell you what, them old Fords and that old Dodge got them kids here. We fixed that one door, it fell off four or five times. Brandon kept putting it back on and we'd add another part to it and it had more rust than it did paint. But you know what? The kids came and they got saved. It wasn't a long time ago, but we were, had 100 in Awana because we went out and got them. Now we can't get anybody to drive the vans. We had to get rid of one because it wouldn't even start. We got two vans. No, we, we have, do have someone riding a van, sorry. We got another van sitting up there. Do we really want to follow Christ? Do we really want to? And it's not about the numbers, it's about kids. Do you know what kids are going through today? You know what they deal with on a daily basis? I'm watching a woodworking video and I'm enjoying it and all of a sudden it ends and the next video comes up. I'm like, oh my, get this off there. And that's what's happening to your kids. It's by design. It's not their fault. And they're kids. They're going to be kids. Where's the church that loved the kids so much that we would sacrifice? In all the church camps we've had, even when we used to take them down to West Virginia, we've never had one kid had to pay for his own or her own church camp. In all the years we ever did anything, if the kids were taken care of. And you know who's hurt most by the pandemic? Kids kids were you know why because it gave us adults an excuse to be lazy spiritually because ministry is hard but Jesus didn't quit when it was hard he willingly laid down his life for you and me he gave us his very best how dare we give him leftovers how in the world can we yawn when we're singing about thank you for the cross? How dare we cut up and carry on when we're singing about the amazing grace of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ? We, like Peter, we've not gone more following Christ. We've gone the other way, church. I think it's high time 
that we come to confession and repentance of believing what it means to follow Jesus Christ, abandoning our own self, denying ourselves, and take up our cross and follow. I, uh, I have been blessed. I have two lovely granddaughters that's going to grow up in a world that's hostile to Christianity. And if the church doesn't stand up and fight for these kids and follow Christ and get themselves right and live as examples and follow Jesus, who's going to do it? Who's going to do it? It's on us, church. And it's enough of playing church. It's enough of trying to appear spiritual. Let's be spiritual. And as your pastor, I'm standing before you and I'm begging you, listen, Don't give God your leftovers. Give Him your best. He gave you His very best in Jesus Christ. God has never done anything halfway or shoddy or leftover. It's always His best. Now listen to me. If we're called to follow Christ and Christ gave His very best to the Father, isn't it principle 101, basic principle, we should be giving our best to Him. If you're here and you've never trusted Jesus Christ as your Savior, I want to tell you, Jesus loves you so much that He died for you on the cross because of your sin. You deserve to die. And unless you are born again, you will not go to heaven. The only way that you can be born again is that you abandon all of your own self-attempts at being spiritual and you look to the Lord Jesus Christ and what He did on the cross of Calvary and believe in Him for your eternal salvation. I'm going to have an invitation and I'm asking you, I don't care whether you come here, go downstairs, stay in your seat, but I'm asking you to examine your heart. I'm asking you, can you honestly say in your heart, you are not, or you are absolutely, you can say in your heart, I am absolutely giving God everything I have. I'm giving my all for Him. If not, are you willing to surrender this morning? If you're not, then nothing's going to change. I'm not going to say if you do it, it's going to be easy. But what is easy? There's nothing easy. I'm asking you, if you want to be right with God and you're willing to follow Jesus. We need some men and women who will step up and serve the Lord in this church, who will take ownership in it, not be here and there and if I want to, if it's okay, if it's convenient, but no, I, I, want, to, I want to be in my place serving the Lord because I love Jesus and I'm going to follow Him. Father, we love you. I pray that you bless our invitation. God, we need a revival. I believe I've said what you want me to say. It's all in your hands now. If they respond, they respond. If they don't, they don't.